0: Good afternoon. It's time for another part of The Lady in Gold, The Extraordinary Tale of Gustav Klimt's Masterpiece, Portrait of Adele Blockbar, written by Anne-Marie O'Connor. Today's reading may be two chapters because they look a bit short. One is called Decent, Honorable People, and the other, maybe even three. One's Decent, Honorable People, Gay Marriage, and the Orient Express. I think I'll try to get those written. Decent, Honorable People. Now, Gustav Reinsch tried to engineer the escape of Maria's brother, Robert. Fernand's Blockbauer's Fernand... Blockbauer's one-time personal secretary. It wasn't easy. Robert and his wife Taya had a newborn, George. Taya had a widowed mother, Ada Stern, and a mentally handicapped sister, Susie, who lived on a farm in the Alps. Taya 20, had wanted to leave the moment the Anschluss Anschluss was declared. No one listened to her. Reinch understood why. The Blockbars lived in a cozy world where friendships lasted a lifetime. Even Reinch couldn't imagine a Vienna in which people he knew joined the SS. Thea could. Thea had been a baby when her father died in World War I. She went to public schools rife with anti-Semitism, where on field trips, non-Jewish children soaped the bedsheets of Jewish students, so they shivered all night. Teachers announced after exams that all the Jewish students got it wrong, making the boys in the illegal Nazi groups smile. In Teia's neighborhood, people spat at Jewish swine like her. For Tea, anti-Semitism meant having a thick skin and expecting less of people. This had all changed when she married Robert Blockbauer in 1937. Her pretty sisters-in-law, Maria and Luis, had never been called Jewish swine. Maria had gone to a private school where most teachers were Jewish. She moved in a cultured exclusive circle where Jews and Gentiles mingled and married Maria's brother, Leopold, was socially prominent and flew his own private jet, sorry, and flew his own private plane. <laughs> Their house was filled with Leopold's hunting trophies. At Ferdinand's Sch- Czech castle, there were butlers, cooks, liverymen, chauffeurs, and laundresses. On her first visit, Thea's little maid dissolved in tears. You don't like me, the maid sobbed. You never call me to help you dress. Thea was astonished. No one here dressed themselves. Taya viewed Hitler not as a distant aberration, but as an immediate menace. To Thea, the Blockbowers were living in a dream world, but it was a pleasant dream. Thea and Robert had beautifully furnished rooms within walking distance of the Velb Belvedere, with a ruby-colored velvet settee and Bidermeyer side chairs with petit ponts seats. On their mat- mantle was a magnificent marble clock with a golden Roman legionnaire on a chariot with two steeds, a wedding present from the block bars. One day, as Thea and Robert left a movie theater... They spotted vendors selling afternoon newspapers, headlined with the Austrian chancellor's summons to meet Hitler at his eagle's nest in in the Alps. Thea froze. We have to get out, she said. Robert rolled his eyes. Thea was six months pregnant. Leave? The day Hitler arrived, Thea watched from her window as the German army marched down the boulevard. Tank after tank rolled by. German bombers roared overhead. Today Germany belongs to us, tomorrow the world, the soldiers sang. Harassment began immediately, and teenage boys pulled Jews from streetcars and beat them up. Thea, a petite blonde, didn't look Jewish to those boys, and she hurried by, hiding her fear. Yet even Theresa dismissed the notion of leaving. "'We're not going anywhere,' her mother-in-law said. "'We've always been decent, honorable people.' "'Of course,' Taya thought. "'But that's beside the point.' "'One day there was a knock at the door. "'Taya, exhausted from the heat, got up from a nap and peered out wearily. "'It was the janitor, a harmless man. "'He smiled and made aimless comments about the humidity. "'Then he told her that every Sunday he expected cash.' or else he would report them to the Gestapo as Jews with with subversive literature. Thea stared at him, stunned. She gave him money, and he slunk away. By June 1938, Thea was due to give birth any day. Their child, no, sorry, (laughs) their car, (laughs) I don't know what makes me say their child, their car had been confiscated, but Thea knew better than to stop making payments. She had heard that someone was killed for that. Fritz was in the Dachau. Dachau. Robert was terrified. Gustav Reinsch had warned the family that there would be Rasias or house-to-house sweeps that week. To, uh, that week to arrest Jews and deport them to concentration camps. Ranch thought it would be safest for them to move into the hospital. But was it safer there? Jewish doctors had been turned out of non-Jewish hospitals, like the Rudolf House, a private hospital near the Vienna woods where Thea was to give birth. Jewish patients were forbidden. The staff had been replaced with Germans. Thea's obstetrician was well known he had delivered tea now he was a jew whom nazi authorities had ordered to stop practicing medicine they could all be arrested but the new jew but the new german sorry head nurse assured the doctor they would not turn him in when they arrived the new german hospital staff tucked robert and another jewish father into hospital beds as aryan patients it was with great fear that the obstetrician nervously brought a little brought little George into this terrifying world. The obstetrician carefully examined the wailing George and handed him to Tea. Then he hurried down the hall, pulling off his gloves, gown, and cap at the back door. He broke into a run. he faltered over the garden wall and fled down the dark street. The doctor had brought new life into the world for the last time in Vienna. Now he had to save his own. A week later, Taya's father-in-law, Gustav, died. At least poor Gustav. Gustav is at peace, she thought. Now, with a newborn, how would they get out? The next piece is gay marriage. Taya's mother, Ada Stern, found her own way to escape from Nazi Vienna. Vienna was becoming a mecca for a small underground of presentable Aryan bachelors, except that these men were gay. Gay culture had flourished in Vienna, artistic circles. Now some of its members would be lifesavers. Some gay men married Jewish women and asked for nothing. Many wanted something in return, money or temporary cover of respectability, before the inevitable divorce. Ada found a Dutch fiancée, Jong-man, Jongman van Genderingen, a distinguished-looking 60-year-old. His boyfriend offered to marry Ada's, gay, Ada's cousin. Naturally, Gustav Reinsch observed, these gay men had their price. Since they were Dutch, they understood diamonds and the dowry was a diamond ring. Ada bought a solitaire, but Yongman said the diamond wasn't good enough. At the town hall, they had heated, had a heated discussion back and forth about the value of this solitaire, and Ada had to exchange it for another. It was a double wedding, witnessed by Reinsch, with not a word about sentiment, compatibility, or consummating the marriage. The two men spent their wedding night together at their hotel, and the two women returned to their widow's beds. Thea found her new stepfather, very decent. Youngman was gravely ill with cancer. He wanted Taya to pay for surgery in Vienna and his return to Holland. Thea prayed he would keep his promise to protect her mother and get her out of Austria. The Orient Express Reinch helped Thea and Robert get a 24-hour transit visa to Yugoslavia. At the last minute, Robert hastily stuffed some of Fernandad's family papers into a small suitcase, and they took the train to the city of Olschik. Louise took them <clears throat> to a private Guttman train station above a stone quarry in, Timberl- in Timberland nearby. There was a cow for fresh milk and running water to wash George's diapers. Louise sent servants with meat, bread, cheese, and vegetables. Louise rarely visited to avoid drawing attention. There, they waited for six weeks. One day, Louise brought them visas for Canada, but they had long overstayed their 24-hour Yugoslav visas. Reinsch feared they would be arrested boarding the train. Resourceful Louise had an idea. With help from Reinsch, she paid a conductor of the Orient Express to make an unscheduled midnight stop near the little station. Taya packed... Up their little, up their things. One night, and hiked to the train tracks with Robert. She held little George close and prayed he wouldn't cry. The tracks began to sing, and they saw the light of the approaching train. But the cars rumbled by one by one until the last cars approached. Taya's heart sank. The train was leaving them behind. Then the train slowed and groaned to a halt. Robert and Taya stumbled up up the embankment in the dark. Without a, straight, without a station platform, the train steps loomed impossibly high. Robert pulled himself up and held out his arms. Taya passed Robert the baby in their suitcases. Tiny Taya strained to reach the train steps. Robert grabbed his ar- her arms and pulled. Taya struggled up to the platform, and the train began to move. In the little compartment, Taya fell into a fitful sleep, She awoke to find a nervous young Austrian woman with a man who looked at least 80. Thea thought he was obviously a fake husband. Yugoslav authorities drew the same conclusion. They led the terrified young woman off the train. Thea feigned sleep. Italian immigration officials weighed Thea and Roberts' expired Yugoslav transit passes against their Canadian visas. The officials finally let them go, assigning a young carbonaire to, to guard them. Soon the carabinier was gallantly fetching, fetching pretty tea refreshments, lighting her cigarettes, and shaking his keys for little Georges as they tugged toward Trieste. Now Teresa, alone at the Steuben, Steubenbastai, was the focus of the Blockbauer shakedown. The Nazis insisted on their usual legal charade. They wanted Teresa to pay an exit tax and to sign a paper, leaving the family possessions to the state. Teresa walked through the empty, beautiful rooms with their carved antique furniture, their heavy gold mirrors, the tapestry of the lusty nobleman, squeezing the bodacious maiden as the harlequin grinned knowingly. Steuben Bastai, the lonely stage, said of the warm family life Teresa had built with Gustave, "'Must she leave all this to them?' The days grew cold, short, and gray. One afternoon in November, as twilight fell, a roar rose from the street. Therese appeared out the window. Truckloads of uniformed men crowded the Ringstrasse. A mob gathered. A friend called. SS officers were taking axes and crowbars to Jewish businesses attacking Jews they found in the street. Men rounded up Jews at a school, and some people were so frightened they jumped out of the windows to their deaths. They were destroying the synagogues. There were fires all over the city. It was Kristallnacht, the night of the broken glass, a dress rehearsal for the unimaginable unimaginable destruction to come. Teresa's precious Vienna was a bloodthirsty mob. She was cornered. Three days before Christmas, Teresa began to sign over her assets. She had to get out. And that is the end of the reading for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening.